Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. And today we're going to talk about uh, something that a friend of mine wrote that I thought was so good. I actually just thought about just reading it and just that's the whole episode. But of course, I do add my thoughts. Let's talk about how we manage our feelings. Is it time for a wake up call in America on how we manage our our emotions and feelings? Let's kick it off. This is The Joe Martino Show. You're listening to The Joe Martino Show, a podcast dealing with all things emotional, relational, and human nature. Joe is a licensed counselor in the state of Michigan, specializing in relationship therapy. He is also the author of the book, The Emotionally Secure Couple. All advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back. I hope that your day is going well, wherever your day is, whatever's happening in it. I hope that it's a good day. Yesterday was one of those days for me, the day before I'm recording this. I don't know how many days will go between this for you before you hear it, but it was one of those days where I end up just struggling through the day, right? One of those days where it's like an astro kick, uh, as, as one of my clients put it, he's like, sometimes you just get astro kick to the gut. That's pretty close to what he said. And that was yesterday for me. And it's one of those days where then what you have to do is you have to like compartmentalize and you have to kind of wall off these emotions and this feelings. Cause I got to walk into a room and I got to do my job. I got to help people, right? I got to walk with them in their own frustration, their own grief, their own hurt, their own pain. And I've got to just take step after step after step. And so, so yesterday that that's what I'm doing. That's what we're going on. And it, it made me realize, I hate that phrase. It made me, but I realized that really what I was doing yesterday is what I want to talk about today, what I want to record in this episode. Last week, we talked about anxiety, and maybe we have anxiety wrong in our society. Maybe we've lost the word sad in our society. Maybe we've lost the words, I'm just having a rough couple days. Maybe we've lost the words, I'm just under stress, and it doesn't mean anything bad. Maybe my heart rate accelerating is actually good for me. Maybe struggling to breathe. And I know this is crazy. I know it sounds crazy in 2024, but maybe struggling to catch my breath is actually okay because it's just signs that my body is getting ready to do something. Or I'm in a situation where I'm doing things that matter or people that I care about are doing things that matter. And my body's reacting to that because there's consequences to life. The more meaningful life you want to have, the more consequences come. And so I knew I wanted to talk this week about how do we manage our emotions. And then a friend of mine, a colleague in the field who is a professor out east, uh, Linnell Buchanan, she's a professor at Clark Summit University, which is my alma mater. Uh, And when I was a student, I think she was a student teacher when I was there. I did my undergraduate there a few decades ago. She put this post up as a memory. I'm going to read it word for word, and then I want to talk about it. Okay, so Linnell says this, I was raised by mean parents. In retrospect, it almost seems that they were not concerned about my feelings. I remember going to them and complaining about one of my sisters. She made me so mad. She hurt my feelings. The responses that I got did not cater to my emotional experience. Instead, they suggested that no one could make me feel anything. They recognized that between the stimulus of what happened and my feelings lay several variables that were entirely under my control. At any point, our emotional responses rest on several things. Among them are our interpretation of the motives of others, our conclusion about the meanings of the behaviors of others, and the amount of power that we give to others. All of these things are exclusively under our control. Now, I'm going to pause here and stop 
reading because I want to talk to you about that last paragraph for a minute. This is just gold right here. This what she wrote here is an opportunity for anyone who reads it or hears it through this podcast episode to just take control of their life. When she says that all of these things are exclusively under her control, it would behoove us to go back and review that. Our emotional responses rest on our interpretation of the motives of others. How many times have you gotten mad at a text? How many times have I gotten mad at a text because of the tone that I read into it? Now, I want to be clear. Just recently, I sat with two people in a session, a relationship session, and we were talking about a text that was sent. And the person who sent it was like, well, they read it differently than I meant it. And I said, okay, well, let me read it. And when I read it, I was like, look, it's really hard to interpret what you sent here any way other than how they interpreted it. But we're not, so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how many times has someone gotten mad because of their interpretation and it was just accepted as fact. The interpretation was just accepted as stone cold fact. That's the thing that we have to consider. That's the thing that we have to run out. What's going on with my interpretation here? Especially when we start talking about the motives of others. Are we using generous or cynical assumptions? And how about our conclusion about the meaning of their behaviors or the amount of power that we give them? That's why I hate the phrase that makes me earlier when she quoted herself as a child. She said that she said to her parents, she made me so mad. She hurt my feelings at my house. If you want to get in trouble, say it made me. She made me. He made me. I will immediately say, no, nothing makes you. It may invite you. And it's something of a joke amongst my kids. They roll their eyes and like, I know, dad, it just invited me. Okay. But here's the thing. Once you say it made me, whatever it is, it has power over you. How much power do we give to other people? And if we want to have good emotional and mental well-being, good emotional hygiene, good emotional health, we have to keep our power, including considering the words that we use. The minute I say my colleague Mark made me, I'm giving him power over me. And he's a kid. That's silly. The minute I say, my wife made me, I'm giving her power over me that she does not have. Well, my dad made me. No, he didn't. He may have done things, and those things might be wrong, but that doesn't make you. One of the things that is always interesting for me is I was talking to someone this week, and and they came in, and we're going through this really deep stuff. He starts to cry, and men don't like to cry, period, let alone in front of another guy, and he's bawling. And he's like, man, you're making me cry. And I'm not kidding. I, I, I don't actually wish I was. I was about to say I wish I was. I said to him, I said, actually, I'm not making you cry. What you believe about what I'm saying is making you cry. What you believe what I'm saying means about you is what's making you cry. Your interpretation is what's making you cry. Because here's the golden statement in Linnell's post. All of these things are exclusively under our control. She goes on to write, an illustration might be helpful. A couple of years ago, someone referred to me as a not nice word that rhymes with which. Now, Linnell is a professor at a religious school, a very conservative religious school. And so they would not let her say that word. Uh, I will spell it. It's B-I-T-Z-H. First, I have to decide why someone would call me that. This is Linnell writing again. Were they just stressed, having a rough day? Were they intimidated by my awesomeness? Were they compensating for their own insecurity? Did they really hate me? Now look, here's what she's doing. She's accepting that what she heard, what someone said about her is not something that she enjoyed, but she's questioning what's going on outside of that event to put it in the broader context of life 
so that she can learn and live and have good emotional wellness. Because how often do people get mad at you because what's going on in their life, they're hurt, right? And anger is the cover-up emotion. It's all the negative primary emotions bodyguards. When those negative primary emotions show up, so does our anger. And all of a sudden, this person's angry. They're calling her a a word that rhymes with which. Maybe they were just stressed. Maybe they were having a rough day. Maybe they just don't like Linnell's personality. Maybe they just don't like the way she approaches life. We're still back to that question. How much power are you willing to give to that person's person or persons? Linnell goes on to write, we make assumptions about people's motivations all the time. These are referred to as attributions. Social psychology has demonstrated that humans are notoriously bad at them. This is true. If you don't believe me, look up the book, Speaking to Strangers, maybe Talking to Strangers, by Gladwell. We tend to give ourselves excuses for our own behaviors while assuming that others' failings are based on characterological weaknesses and not circumstantial forces. This results in many misinterpretations and damaged relationships. Here's what that means. When someone does something that we don't like, we assume the worst. When we do something that someone else doesn't like, we try to convince them to assume the best. And I see this the most in marriage relationships. Well, my husband didn't do blah, 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 to which he responds, yeah, but I tried. And then he's later, he's like, well, my wife didn't do da, da, da. And she's like, yeah, but I tried. What if you gave the yeah, but I tried to the other person? All right, she goes on to write, secondly, I have to determine if being a word that rhymes with which is a good or bad thing. There are many people who use this crass word to refer to friends or willingly claim it as a description of themselves. The person who called me that cannot dictate whether I view that as a positive or a negative. She may or may not have known how I would feel about what happened. Maybe I would wear it with pride. Maybe I would cry. Both of these responses would be entirely because of forces completely under my own control. That right there is gold. That's worth whatever metal's worth more than gold. That's worth that. No one else can make you feel anything. I want to beat the drum so bad, but like I don't have a drum. I just have my desk and I so badly want to beat it. Just I don't know how that's going to sound like. We're going to find out. You get to determine what you do with the feelings that you feel when someone or something happens to you that you don't like. She goes on to say this. Finally, I have to determine if the individual who referred to me that way has an opinion that matters. This is so true. And and we see this in society, right? There are people all the time talking, well, what does it matter? But it is a good point. How much does a person's opinion matter? A couple weeks ago, I said, look, stop reading books and pretending you're a therapist. It drives me as a therapist, as a therapist who spent a lot of time in a classroom, it drives me nuts that somebody reads Donald Miller, who himself isn't even a psychologist, but goes to therapy and then reads about his, writes about his therapy. So people read what he writes and all of a sudden they think they're a therapist. Okay. To diagnose their husband and their kids drives me nuts. And to be honest, when you walk in the room and give me your diagnosis, it doesn't move me much. But that goes to other things. There are people that I look at, they're not good dads. I don't really worry a whole lot about their opinion on being a dad. And here's the rub that we have in society. We're not allowed to say objectively this person isn't a good dad. It gets you in trouble. I'm writing a book called Hiding Behind God. What happens when we use God in ways that he never told us to use them? 
And one of the chapters is on men's group. How many men's groups in America are led by people that we wouldn't want to be a husband like them and we wouldn't want to be a father like them? They're literally doing things that we're like, nope, that's not good. And here's the thing. I'm not actually advocating in, in this episode for churches to remove them. In the book, I am. But what I am advocating for is here is for you to determine how much do you care about another person's opinion. A first-year student out of grad school telling me what I'm doing wrong in a room. There might be value in that. There might not, right? A, 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 a counselor that's been in the business for 10 years but can't keep clients but doesn't actually help people, right? There's, there's two numbers we tend to look at, one and dones. How many clients come one time and then don't come back? A good therapist, their number on that will be extremely low. And how many of their clients do they get to 12 weeks? Because 12 weeks is where you really start to see sustained change. And that's where you start to see a drop off in clients, right? And so we look at those two numbers. If, if a person isn't doing all that well on those two numbers, their opinion about what works or doesn't work in the room isn't going to move me. If someone gave me investing advice, but they don't have actually good investments, I'm not interested in that. Why do we take the opinions of other people, especially when they call us names or they tell us we're no good at something or they tell us something about ourselves that they don't even have enough information to actually articulate, but they do anyhow because we've confused empowerment, right? If you're angry and forceful. In America right now, the most forceful opinion wins. The person who screams the loudest wins. And, and she's about to cover that next, and it's amazing. But why do we allow that person to dictate our day? Why do we care about their opinion? It's completely under our control how much of their opinion we care about. She goes on to write, some opinions count more than others but others do not decide, get to decide how much power I give their opinions. I can dismiss them as uneducated, ignorant, or simply evil, or just wrong. Now, I added that. She didn't write that. But like, there's sometimes people have opinions and they just don't know what's going, going on. I find this all the time as a business owner. People who have no idea how to run a business. They've only ever worked the nine to five, which is totally fine. But they tell me how to run my business. They offer me opinions and I'm like, you don't even know. You, you have no idea. You, if I asked you what's the three biggest things running against businesses, you might be able to guess, but you wouldn't know. She goes on to write, Previous generations were taught sticks and stones will break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I thought the phrase was names can never hurt me, but I don't know. The phrase was intended to remind us of our own power in dictating the impact we experience from unkindness. And we rejected that phrase about 20 years ago. I remember the first time I was sitting in a church service, and the pastor at the time was Rob Bell. I know some of you have heard of him. And he, he quoted that phrase and just basically was like, that's dumb. And I remember 12,000 people shaking their head. Oh, yeah. And I remember thinking, no, Rob, you're wrong, dude. Linnell goes on to write, it is a lesson sorely needed in today in several venues. It doesn't take much work to find someone who believes that others should be held responsible for his or her own emotional experience. The problem with that is that those emotional reactions may not have been either intended or predictable. And that means that everyone must tiptoe around others. Others are forced to make their words and behaviors revolve around capricious and sometimes irrational feelings. I'm going to read that last sentence again. And that means that everyone must tiptoe around. Others are forced to make their words and behaviors revolve around capricious and sometimes irrational feelings. And, and I, this is the part that I really want to drive home on. We'll probably do this again next week. 
it doesn't take much work to find someone who believes that others should be held responsible for their own emotional experience. In other words, in our society today, if I feel bad because of something you said, did, or even wore, and she's going to get into that in a minute, you're responsible. If you wear a Boston Red Sox t-shirt and I'm a Yankees fan and that offends me, you have to take your Red Sox shirt off. That's stupid. Last week, my daughter got called to the teacher and the teacher was like, hey, we just want you to know that uh, blah, blah, blah. And there's there are varying accounts of how this story went. My daughter says that the teachers essentially accused them of of being bullied and the teacher says that they went to great pains to make sure that they weren't accusing anyone. Well, you were only talking to three students and you were doing it based off of what one student told you. So again, I wonder how we interpret that. But so here's the thing. So my daughter tells us, and I'm like, I'm going to call the teacher. Now, look, before you come for me, and I don't even know why I do this anymore because you all still come. But before you come for me, I have two daughters in college. One daughter's a senior and my son is homeschooled. I can count on three fingers the number of times I've called the school in however many years of schooling that is. So I am not the parent that goes running to the school every time something goes on. One of the times I actually said to the teacher, hey, my sixth grader says that you said this and I know things can get lost in translation. Did you say this? Please let me know. Dude writes back a long email. No, 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 no. I'm like, bro, it's good. I, I figured I went and talked to my daughter. She's like, okay, I misunderstood it. And we moved on. But in this bullying situation, here's what it essentially came down to. This girl saw my daughter and two of her friends laughing and assumed it was about her. And the teacher reinforced that. And I said to the teacher, I was like, no, you can't do that. And she's like, well, we don't want to offend anyone. I said, okay, so imagine if I said to you, I'm not saying it's true, but it could be construed you walking out to the parking lot with your male colleague means you're having an affair with him. She's like, that would be ridiculous. Right. And it's also ridiculous to make my daughter accountable for that girl's emotional reaction to my daughter laughing. That's absolute. It's equally ridiculous. It's just insanity. It's logical suicide. Please don't please don't confuse what I'm saying. I'm not saying someone's killing themselves. I'm saying we're killing logic because here's the thing. As Linnell points out, the problem with this is emotional reactions may not be intended or predictable. How many times have you done something thinking it was going to be a good thing for someone and they were hurt or they didn't react the way you did, or they didn't understand your emotions. Now she originally wrote this in 2019, which is going to explain this next paragraph. Last week, I watched a video of a young woman accosting a man over his MAGA hat. Of course, that's a Trump hat. She very insightfully explained that it doesn't matter what the hat originally was designed to communicate, and it doesn't matter what he believes or why he wears it. All that matters is how others feel when they look at it. It is racist because she feels like it is racist, and no objective facts influence that. That is an untenable position for society. It means someone is wrong simply because another person perceives them to be. That's, that's a money line right there. In our society, you're wrong simply because somebody else said you were wrong. You have gone beyond the pale simply because someone else is offended by what you did. That is, that is a reality that society cannot sustain. You cannot have a society that sustains that. And the truth is we don't, right? That young lady is perfectly fine in society. I know that there's going to be people who agree and disagree with it accosting that man because he's wearing a MAGA hat. But if she were to march downtown with a vagina on her head for women's power and someone accosted her, they would be in trouble. And, and I, look, I'm not making up the hats. I've seen MAGA hats and I have seen people walking in my town of 
4,000 people with vaginas on their heads to somehow support women power. That doesn't even make sense to me. Like if a bunch of dudes started walking down the street with fake penises on their head, does that somehow empower men? And just by saying that, I can envision the comments and the emails that I'm going to get, right? Because the idea that you're wrong simply because I'm offended by it is silly. It's not sustainable. You cannot live in a society where free speech is only for the things we agree with. She goes on to write, we have cultural clashes over the concepts of cultural appropriation or cultural appreciation. A young girl inspired by the story of Moana is labeled racist for a Halloween costume of her heroine, and her guilt or innocence depends entirely on the emotional response of someone who doesn't care about her motivations. But how is that naive child to predict whether Pacific Islanders will view her desire to be like Moana as flattering or insulting abuse of her privilege? And I would add the question, why are the people who see it as insulting, why is their opinion more important than the people who see it as flattering? And I bring up the Washington football team, the Washington, currently the Washington Commanders. They essentially changed their name because they were bullied into it by white people being offended for original people, Native Americans, and the Native Americans, it turned out, weren't actually offended. In fact, there's a tribe suing the Washington Redskins to change their name back from Washington Commanders to Redskins. This is the lunacy of defining, well, we're wrong because that person's offended. She goes on to write, if emotional response becomes the only measure of truth and a perpetually offended person does not recognize how their own biased attributions, assumptions, and interpretations have shaped their feelings, objectivity is lost. Everyone who offends will be inherently wrong while the one offended is by nature of perceiving offense morally superior. And this is the, the virtue signaling that we see all the time. I'm so sick of the posts running around social media. I'm tired of people picking on Taylor Swift just because she's successful. Do better. Like, okay, does Taylor Swift even care? Really and truly? She cares a little bit because she sold her plane. But does she really care what, what Jim Smith from Podunk, Idaho says about her? I doubt it. Linnell goes on to write, even the way that news is reported has fallen victim to a twisted emphasis. Too often a clickbaity headline sh shouts someone's emotional reaction as, it is both the, as if it is both the most important truth and the only potential response to the situation, when often it is neither. The fact that someone felt humiliated by the way they were treated does not mean that the treatment was not justified. In fact, the resulting feelings have nothing to do with the morality of the behavior in question. If something was wrong, it was wrong whether or not anyone perceived it that way. And before you're like, just reject that out of hand, we can use the Nazis. And I know that there's like, oh, anytime you use the Nazis, that's a fallacy. But think about this. How many of the Nazi, I, I want to be clear with you. How many, I want you to really think about this. How many of the Nazi or Nazi leaders that went on trial were embarrassed or offended that they would go on trial because they were just following orders, right? We clearly can see that their offense is superseded by a much more objective truth. Or anytime that someone kills somebody because they were offended. I've told this story a hundred times. I helped a friend one time who was doing domestic violence support groups, right? She was a, a graduate student and I would come help her set up tables and chairs because I could use the hours and I would sit there while they got it rolling. Almost every guy there 
his defense for hitting whoever he hit, for abusing whoever he hit, to the degree that we sent him to jail for a time, was, of course I did it, she disrespected me, right? And the problem is, if we go by emotions are it, he's right. He's not right. There's an objective truth, an objective standard that supersedes his feelings. And she wrote this in 2019, so it says in 2019 we need a wake-up call. I'm going to change it. In 2024, in fact, I'll just change it to today. We need a wake-up call about the management of our feelings. I would add the word emotions. We need to stop appealing to subjectivity and seek objective, fact-based, logical approaches to understanding our circumstances. We need others to remind us that no one can make us feel the way we do. We are responsible for our own actions. And then she writes this, maybe we need more mean parents. We have to start changing the way we approach our feelings. Even the way we speak. Well, I just feel. Okay, so you feel that way. But what? I just sat in the room with somebody who was like, well, I just feel like this is unfair and I don't know how to overcome that. And I said to her, I said, don't overcome the feeling. Just do what you have to do anyhow. Just do what you have to do anyhow. Right? Maybe that girl in my daughter's class did feel bullied. But maybe we would actually serve her better by saying, oh, you should go ask them what they were laughing about. I'll go with you. My daughter actually at first was like, dad, don't talk to the teachers. Nope, this one's wrong. Because here's the thing. If, if that teacher told me she was snappy, she was grumpy. She said, I need coffee before you talk to me. She said, stop, because I say that. And so she inherited that. I'd buy all that. If she said that one of my other daughters was bullying, I might even buy that. Nah, I probably wouldn't. Being mean, I'd buy that, which I guess a lot of people equate that. But not this daughter. She doesn't bully. Not out loud. Maybe in her head. She doesn't say things to other people. Not like that. And here's the thing. You don't get to accuse people and be like, well, you're not allowed to defend yourself. Which they say they didn't do. I just don't believe them. And they're welcome to come on my show. And I'm, I'm happy to have the conversation face-to-face -face with a re microphone recording. Because maybe what we teach our kids is you can feel whatever feeling you have. In other words, my daughter can feel anxiety that I'm going to make it worse if I go to the teacher and we still go to the teacher because objectively speaking, if we don't speak up, that makes it worse, not better. Maybe I can have a day like I had yesterday where I am not kidding you. I was like, if you slid a piece of paper, a receipt piece of receipt paper between my index finger and my thumb, that's the amount of space that was between me just, just canceling all my evening appointments. And I didn't because I had a couple coming in for the first time and I know they're in trouble. And so I knew I needed to make that appointment. I beg you, we have to rethink our anxiety in our society and we have to rethink how we handle our emotions. You have to. You have to ask yourself, what's the objective truth I live by? There has to be some objective truths. Just being offended doesn't mean you were wronged. Not feeling, and the flip side of that is true too. Not feeling like you were offensive doesn't mean you weren't. We have to have something that we add with our feelings to live our lives. If we just live out our feelings we're in trouble. It is untenable and unsustainable. And eventually society collapses under it. And there are going to be some people like, that's overstating it. No, I don't really think it is. Study history. I love to study history. Study history. Find out what happened to other cultures that went that way. We're not the first. The arrogance that lives in our country, that we're the first to do everything interpersonally is just silly. All right. So I'm hoping that you have opinions about this. I hope you have feelings about this. See what I did there? Feel free to uh, send me an email, joe at joemartino.com. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, feel free to comment. If you haven't found me on the web yet, you can, joemartino.com, and you can find all my socials there. We're putting up uh, YouTube reels. We're going to start putting up some YouTube longer uh, segments 
We're still working on that curriculum. Uh, we're also working on the book. We're about halfway through. I think I can record faster than my editor can edit. And uh, obviously that creates a bit of a problem. So we're working on that. And we got a lot of other exciting things coming down the pipe. All right. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please share with a friend. And hey, give us that rating in your podcast store. Until next time, change possible.